We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. Kyle Madsen is not here tonight, uh, but we do have a very special guest. It's Matt Mayoko. You might have heard of him. Uh, of NBC Sports Bay Area. He's been covering the 49ers for a very long time. We had a great conversation. Uh, let's get to it. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Alright, he's a Bay Area media institution, he's a Hall of Fame voter and on the Hall of Fame selection committee, but he's also a Hall of Fame human being. Oh, wow. It's Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. Matt, welcome uh, to the podcast. Okay, do, do I owe you money? <laughs> like, why did... <laughs> that introduction was uh, something special. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to the big event here in a few weeks. And in the meantime, as if that's not me doing enough for you, driving up to Santa Rosa, <laughs> battling Friday traffic, you're also like infringing upon my personal time right here after a full day of work. But you know what? <laughs> no hard feelings. I still well, love you. I'm raising a beer to you. It's a it's a Cooperage um, felt Kurt might delete later. Nice. Um, and uh, you're coming to the event and you brought the event up and it didn't even need to be provoked on my end. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And you're yep. the first, you're actually the first guest that we are announcing publicly. And oh, there are wow. others, there, there are going to be others coming, but um, you were there last year. It was a great time. Uh, yes, Friday, September 16th at Cooperage coming out with us. Um, That's a Friday. Yeah. And what time does it start? Whenever everyone gets there. Okay. Well, for me, it might be a little later than most people because I'm coming from Santa Clara. But okay, I'll do maybe the best I can. Maybe you'll be like the um, the main event. You know, at the end, whenever you get there, we'll just have to force feed some beers in you, like yes, quickly. If, if that's your main event, then I can't. <laughs> I I cringe to think of what the undercards are. All right. Well, cheers to you, my friend. Thank you. I got a shadow puppet right now from Livermore. Outstanding. That I'm cracking open, and I will uh, toast to you and looking forward to drinking some good Cooperage beer on the 16th. 
All right. So it was a pretty eventful week in 49ers land leading into the season. I think it probably could not have been more eventful, to be honest. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's yeah. back on a backup quarterback's contract. Well, can I cut you off right there? Sure. Would it have been more eventful what happened or if Jimmy Garoppolo had actually gone to another team? Because I, I don't think, know, I, this by you phrasing that question the way you did made me think, because I haven't thought about that, but what do you think would be more eventful, more newsworthy? So if Jimmy Garoppolo went to another team, it wouldn't have changed much of the discussion around Trey Lance, because over the last however long throughout the offseason, it's been, this is Trey Lance's show, Jimmy's going to be gone. So that, to me, would have been the same. I think what made right. this so noteworthy is that how unexpected it was really from all sides. And now you have the added element of, oh, Jimmy's here. How does this impact Trey Lance? Because that's that was super unexpected, right? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Because then you start to wonder, oh, what does this say about Trey Lance? And, you know, there, there are so many elements to this story that's just been fascinating to follow. But also, you know, does it put more pressure on Trey Lance? I almost think it puts more pressure on Kyle Shanahan because if there were no Jimmy Garoppolo, there's no plan B, you know, if Trey Lance struggles. And this is a team that is set up to win now. No question about it. They have one of the better rosters in the NFL. This team is set up to win. So if they lose a few games early because of the quarterback, maybe not because of the quarterback, but let's just say the quarterback is a contributing factor in some games they lose. And obviously this is all hypothetical and we're projecting out, but whereas before, if they had lost two games in a row, they're not going to Brock Purdy. We know that, but will there be internal pressure to go to Jimmy Garoppolo? If Trey Lance, and I say, and I made that point, internal pressure, there will always be external pressure, but I don't think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, the way they work, they don't, they shut out that, that noise. I think they do a pretty good job of just doing what they feel is the right thing to do, but it'll be interesting to see if they're, if things go like you would expect a, a first year starting quarterback to go kind of riding that roller coaster, 17 game season you don't have very many games to to play with so potentially it puts a lot of pressure on Kyle Shanahan yeah I agree with that point that it it adds pressure to Kyle Shanahan because now those Monday meetings he has with Jed York have a completely different discussion point right like there's gonna there are gonna be conversations that Jed has with Kyle that are just gonna add all sorts of different pressures to his job like all right, how close are you to putting Jimmy in now that we've lost two in a row and Trey's completed 50% of his passes with more picks and, than touchdowns, right? Yeah. yeah. But so I, I talked to somebody, um, I asked around a little bit, and basically what, what I was told by this person who I have a very high regard for their football intellect and how plugged in they are is that, and I know this is contrary to what other people have sort of reported or hinted at, but it was, it wasn't so much that they're like concerned about Trey Lance, because I think they have a very realistic opinion of Trey Lance in terms of, Hey, this is probably going to be a roller coaster and we're going to have to deal with it. 
but the decision was more based on like they're not super worried about the mechanic stuff like Trey Lance has done enough to earn the trust of Kyle Shanahan to go into the season as the starter and it's not and it's adding Garoppolo was more about the pragmatic the pragmatic side of it like we can get the best backup in the league potentially for six and a half million dollars whether Trey Lance is Patrick Mahomes or whether he's playing himself out of the league this season, like it benefits us to have a high quality backup. Mm-hmm. And it's not more necessarily more complicated than that. But I know there are others in the organization who are like, yeah, like maybe his accuracy is an issue and it might get in the way of us competing for a Super Bowl. Well, but nobody knows how Trey right. Lance is going to play. Right. And so we're going into this and all we're doing is speculating. But you know what? That's all the 49ers are doing too. So we don't know, like if, if Trey, Lance, let's just say Trey Lance comes out of the gates, not playing well at all. And he's spraying the ball all over the field. And all those things you said turn out to be true. He's right around 50%, more picks than touchdowns, all that stuff. The 49ers had no other choice, but to continue to play him. And after the end of the season, it is what it is. But I think everybody would say he'll be better next year. You know, and, and I'm and I'm sure in through the course of having those rookie struggles, I know he's a second year guy, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. In the course of, of the first year struggles, he's gonna show a lot of good things that people are gonna like kind of when they take a step back, would say, Man, that throw he had against whatever, you know, that throw he had against Carolina. Not too many guys in the league can do that. That run he had when the pocket collapsed and, you know, he ran for 70 yards and a tight, nobody could do that. So he will have those great plays. The, the problem is, or where I could foresee something coming on that would have like long-term effects would be, is if the season's getting away from the team and Jimmy Garoppolo is looking good in practices, running the other team's plays, by the way, but if they ever were tempted to go to Garoppolo during the season, because as you mentioned, Jimmy's a good quarterback. He's not one of the best quarterbacks. He's not one of the worst quarterbacks. He's a good quarterback that has proven he can be the quarterback of a team that wins a lot of games. But if they ever pulled the plug on Trey Lance this year for the sake of let's make sure we get into the playoffs or whatever, that has huge impact down the road for just the long-term thought process of the quarterback position. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. So you were, you were in the, um, you were in the press conferences today and they both spoke sort of consecutively. And, And one of my secret hopes was that they would send Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance in there to do their press availability together together so we could actually see him interact i know that would probably be super awkward for for everybody involved but i would i do just want to see it because these guys when they talk about each other it's it's about as like smooth as you'd want it to be if you're the 49ers from the outside just watching the press conference like they're doing a really good job in painting a picture and i'm not saying the picture's false or they're lying or anything but they're doing a really good job at painting the picture and putting the necessary messaging out there when they're both up at the podium. And that's part of being a quarterback. But I how much think, of that yeah. how, how much of that do you buy? 
Like, do you buy yeah. that that it's that because of what they did last year in similar circumstances, albeit switched roles? How much do you buy that there is a foundation for a strong relationship there, and that that relationship will be strong enough to not derail how either of them play? Call me a sucker, but I think that <laughs> I, I think they're both really good guys. Yeah, and I think I think when the the when the lights are off or you know they're not at the podium. I think they're I think they're genuinely good guys. I mean, Jimmy said it himself. I asked him, like, why didn't you ask for your release? Mm-hmm. And he said, I didn't ruffle, want to ruffle feathers. Like, that's not the way he approaches things. And Tim Kawakami asked him about, you know, your ego taking a hit. And I thought the way he started to answer that question, I thought he was going to say, of course, my ego's taking a hit because I was a starting quarterback since I, my arrival in 2017, and now I'm not the starting quarterback. And the only thing that changed was that I'm still with the team when I thought I'd be moving on. And after a season in which the 49ers went to the NFC Championship game, the guy who barely played but was the number three overall pick is taking my job. Of course, I would be upset. He didn't say that. He was like, oh, if you know, basically said, if if my ego's bruised, then that's my problem. Then maybe my ego is he's, the issue here. He said, you got to know who you are in this league. Yes. And I did. thought I was that that was like an amazing just thing, because I've never heard an NFL player say say that, especially right. somebody who's who's so publicly getting demoted like that yeah. normally doesn't happen. You normally always hear guys saying. I deserve to start. I'm one of the best players at my position. I mean, think about all the NFL players we've covered through the years who have an incredibly exaggerated perception of themselves as a player. Right. You know, how many times have we seen really average to below average players say, I'm the best at my position in the league? And you go, oh my god, are you kidding me? Or the August, the August stories where guys are like, "I'm coming." This is yeah, yeah. Here I am. I'm I'm a I'm a freight freight train that can't be stopped. (laughs) And and here I really think that their personalities. I think Trey, I think Trey's a really good kid. And I say kid, he's 22 years old. He's a kid. (laughs) And I think and I and he came in as the number three overall pick, and he just kept his head down you know his his demeanor was he's not going to step on toes and i'm just gonna soak in everything i can from jimmy and i'm gonna just do all the right things and jimmy was like you know hey i don't like it but i'm not gonna like undermine the guy i'm gonna help him out and we can be friends and and all this and i just i i i buy it i buy it now you know, w- w- could that change if the scenario that we pointed out comes to fruition where Trey struggles and Jimmy's going, okay, here I am. I'm on the sideline. It's the middle of third quarter. We're down by 17 points. Look at me. You know, come on. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know. But I just get the sense that these two guys are not guys that you would, they're not. I don't know what the word would be. I don't know. If, I don't think they're typical NFL guys who are just like, I want to start. I should be starting. And it's a travesty that I'm not starting. I mean, I look back at Alex Smith in 2012. Alex Smith was having a really good season. Alex Smith, nicest guy, you know, one of the nicest guys I've ever covered. But when he was benched, 
he was not happy and he expressed that he was not happy and he thought he got a raw deal. And, and yeah, you can easily make that, that argument that he did get a raw deal, but these two guys are, are different. So what I've kind of gathered is you've used the word awkward. I've used the word awkward. I, I can't tell you how many times I just don't get the sense that awkward is reality. I don't get the sense that, They've ever felt it was awkward. Now, as I say that, you know, Jimmy did say that last year was t- tough on him and he wouldn't wish, wish it on his worst, worst enemy and all that stuff. He said that when he thought he'd be going to another team, but here he is. He could have, he could have picked where he, where he went, you know, within reason, mm-hmm. you know, he, but there's no question in my mind. He had some options of where he could sign after the foreigners release him, or he could have said, release me and i'm sure they would have you know complied but he ultimately decided that whatever the options were and i don't know what they were but let's just say seattle cleveland houston let's just throw those three teams out there if those were his if if those were his three options he decided that his number one best landing spot to set himself up not only for this season but for the future was back with the 49ers. So Seattle's really interesting because just looking at them from the outside, they look like a team that would certainly be interested in signing Jimmy Garoppolo off the street um, to compete, quote unquote, compete with. And I think, and I think they were, I think they were. Yeah. So I don't have any, I don't have any evidence, but I think they were. Yeah. So I never got the sense that Kyle Shanahan feared the scenario of, um, having to play against Jimmy Garoppolo because I, the, I did. I, did, I got that sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think well, that- I'll, I'll, I do want to address that, but so in my opinion, it, it was more like, Hey, this quarterback could help a division rival win more games mm-hmm. than they would have. And that's ultimately as much, or if not more of a threat than, you know, the two times the 49ers play Seattle, but so okay. So you think Kyle Shanahan was worried about going against Jimmy explain that. I would say maybe not. I don't know Kyle Shanahan per se, but I think the the perception inside the organization, and of course, Kyle Shanahan is one of the two top decision makers, and I mean he's the number one decision maker, I guess. Uh, ultimately, um, he and John Lynch or whatever, one A, one B. Um, I got the sense, and it was never refuted by anyone early on, first week of training camp that that's why they were really reluctant to do anything with him. And now granted they didn't have to because Jimmy didn't press the issue, but I always got the sense that, and I don't know if they were working with any Intel or not, but I, I got the sense and I feel confident in saying that the 49ers feared, and I'll use that word feared that, if they were, you know, if Jimmy did say release me or I'll cause a huge stink that the 49ers were like, oh, you know, that's the last thing they wanted because they didn't want to give him enough time to go up to Seattle, get acclimated, win that starting job outright, and then be marching in here week two wearing the Seattle Seahawks colors and playing the 49ers. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. I just watched Jimmy Garoppolo throw so many picks to that that defense in practice that I don't think like Fred Warner 
and Nick Bosa would ultimately have too much fear in facing Jimmy Garoppolo. But I do think relative to what the Seahawks quarterback position will be now that Jimmy Garoppolo is yeah. back with the 49ers, it's cer- that's, a, that's a pretty substantial difference, right? You're saying Jimmy Garoppolo is a substantial upgrade over Geno Smith. I think so, yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. I, absolutely, I would agree wow. with that. Yeah, and, it's, agreed and, what, and what you're saying is, I mean, there, there's uh, so many levels to this. I mean, they think that Trey Lance is going to be a really good player. And I always felt like they felt like Jimmy was a good player, but certainly not a great player. And there was a lot of frustration about Jimmy. Um, and so they moved on from him. But you still don't want a team that you're playing twice a year you don't want to just hand deliver them a much better player at the most important position right, yeah. when you're going to be playing them twice. So, I mean, I think they have respect. I think 49ers have respect for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they, they like him. I think he's, he's, he's good. And I, I don't, I think it just would have caused more, uh, more hassle than, than anything else. Uh, maybe more, I don't know, trepidation, more anxiety to think of him coming in to Levi Stadium week two. And you have Trey Lance making his, what, fourth NFL start in his career. And Jimmy Garoppolo making, I don't know what he's up to now, probably close to 50 starts or more than 50 starts, I guess. And thinking like, wow, that's an almost a all um kind of almost not a lose-lose, but man, there's a lot more to lose than to gain by losing that game week two. So we've seen Kyle Shanahan make a playoff run with a first-time starting quarterback and Robert Griffin. And I do think there are interesting parallels situationally, right? Like a highly drafted guy, an offense. Like one of the things that really interests me is what the offense is going to look like. Because I, I almost think like that's one of the most under or under discussed storylines going into this thing, because I don't think necessarily what Trey Lance did in training camp and even the preseason, that offense that he ran is going to look very similar to what he's doing during the regular season when the games count and Kyle Shanahan's sequencing plays and scheming things up. There was that one day at practice where the 49ers communication staff told everyone there or reiterated, Hey, we're not, um, we're not allowed to uh, report details of certain plays and who's getting carries out of the backfield um, and all that stuff. And I, without, you know, without commenting on what those plays looked like. Jeez, and I wonder what player <laughs> would be lining up in the, any play. Yeah, I was yeah. reminded about the second half of last season while on the practice field watching those plays. Right. Yeah. And I, and I kind of think that with so, Trey Lance, you, Chris, you are so subtle. <laughs> yeah. I kind of think with Trey Lance, there's going to be elements of the offense that Kyle Shannon exploits schematically that he hasn't before with Jimmy Garoppolo in particular, right? Well, like the mobility no aspect. Question. Yeah. Is that to you one of like do you do you think people are sleeping on just like what schematically the 49ers can do now and how a lot of those plays can mask some of Trey Lance's deficiencies and give him more easy throws like Robert Griffin had? And just I mean, we see Kyle Shanahan scheme guys open a lot, but I guess mm-hmm. the the concerns about the accuracy would be about yards after catch, hitting guys in stride, like and that's really where Jimmy Garoppolo excelled. I think that 
Trey Lance is probably thrilled that preseason is over and training camp is over because he doesn't have to face Fortnite's defense anymore. And also what you just said. Like Kyle Shanahan, his number one attribute as a coach or as an offensive mind is his ability to pick out weaknesses in the defense and create a game plan and a play calling rhythm that exploits those weaknesses. And you don't get that in a training camp practice. You don't get that in preseason games. I almost think like I almost, and I I felt like the first preseason game, he was going to do something to get Trey Lance a big play. And I don't know if that was him, but Trey Lance had that big play, the long touchdown pass to Danny Gray. And I just felt like he wanted Trey Lance to experience success immediately with a big play to show everybody, but also show Trey Lance and, and build confidence that that can be done. So I think it'll be a game plan to game plan thing. I think depending on where Kyle Shanahan perceives the weaknesses of opposing defenses, you might see Trey Lance run the ball six to eight times on, on RPOs. You might see him, you know, I think the running game is always going to be a big part of this. You know, they're going to, there will be a lot of game plans, a lot of Saturday night meetings where Kyle Shanahan will say, let's run the ball 30 times, 32 times, 36 times. Like he's going to, that's going to be a big part of that. But I, I think that it's clear that because of the style that Trey Lance plays, Kyle Shanahan has a lot more clubs in his bag than he did with Jimmy Garoppolo. And now it's a matter of Trey Lance showing that he can execute all of the pitch and catches that Jimmy Garoppolo could execute very well while also adding the added elements of you know, the big arm stretching the field both vertically and horizontally, as well as, you know, the second reaction plays, the scrambles, the, uh, and then the, the RPOs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How concerned are you about the interior of the offensive line? Or I guess a better way to phrase it would be, or I guess, how do you how concerned do you think they are about their offensive line? And how concerned are you about their offensive line? Well, I'm not concerned at all because <laughs> because you don't have to play behind yeah, it. <laughs> no, yeah, not I'm not at all concerned. Um, oh, I think they have to be concerned. And but here's the thing too is I think I think Brindle looks to be a pretty good player who like nobody knows about and you know that position I I think he'll be okay. They just need to they just need to figure out one of those other guard spots and it might be Brunskill. And so if I think Brindle and Brunskill Man, that's a that's a tongue twister. But I think those two will be okay. And then Kyle Shanahan in scheming can cover up a lot for the other guard, whether that's Burford or Banks. I mean, the thing I keep kind of keep going back to is the 49ers have managed to do almost the unthinkable through what would it be 10, 11 games, I guess, where the 49ers have played the Rams since 2017. They've managed to somewhat neutralize the best defensive player on the planet. And so I think that they can, they can find a way to kind of cover up some of the blemishes of one of those guards. I just don't know that they can do that with you know, covering up two guards and a center. So I think as long as Brendel and Brunskill are okay, I think I think Brunskill has proven to be an okay guard. He's a very passable starting guard. Um, they've won a lot of games with him, or they did last year. You know, they won a lot of games with him. So are they concerned? Absolutely. They got to be concerned because kind of like at the quarterback position, there's so much uncertainty and unknowns about how those first year starters and we'll put Brendel in that group too, how those first year starters are going to perform. So I do think in terms of the identity of this team that has really been successful over the last few years since Kyle Shanahan got here was that it was physical and good enough along the offensive line and certainly physical defensively and winning the line of scrimmage makes things just a lot easier in general on everybody else. I think that's probably like, obviously all the Trey Lance stuff aside and and him being the unknown that he is. I think my biggest concern with the team might be just about its ability to win in the trenches at the same level it did last year. Mm. And I know, you know, when they get in third and long, like their pass rush is going to be probably top three in the league just purely based on the guys that they have um, the pedigree that they have just as a team, their ability to develop the pass rushes as good or better, if not than anybody else in the league, but where I would be concerned is are they going to have fewer of those third and eights and are they going to be third and threes because they're not as good defending the run Um, because, you know, Javon Kinlaw, I think right now he's probably best as a pass rusher, right? He's lost weight. He's not the 330 pound guy he was when he got drafted. He's now like 295 and looks great. And I'm sure that's ideal for pass rushing. But when you do have him and Eric Armstead in there defending the run, 
I do wonder about the lack of like a real nose or a real dominant run stuffing player. And I know Eric Armstead can be that guy at times, Mm -hmm. but I think Chris Jones or sorry, DJ Jones. I was thinking of Chris Jones because I was going to follow up with the, with the interior offensive line question. Um, But DJ Jones, I think is going to be a pretty substantial loss because I don't know that Hassan Ridgeway is the same type run stuffer. And I do wonder if the defense is not going to be in those favorable positions that they were, let's say in 2019 um, when teams couldn't really run on them. And there were a lot of third and long situations, allowing those guys to pin their ears back. Possible. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, how many times have I talked to you through the years just about (laughs) pad level? Right. Yeah, you're a big uh, pad level guy, a huge pad level guy. And I think that that's going to be key for Javon Kinlaw. And he's a big, long guy. And he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a enormous human being that, but he needs to, he needs to stay low. He, he, he there's some technique stuff, I'm sure in the run game uh, that he needs to work on. And then you do have uh, Hassan Ridgeway who made the team and certainly will be a rotational player. Um. I almost thought you were going to talk when you start talking about third downs. I thought you were going to go the other side of the ball because I think where the 49ers struggled since, you know, with, with the offense, interior offensive line is they didn't, they weren't very good on short, third and short last or year. Or fourth and short. Or fourth and short. Unless and, they could sneak. And, and I think it's going to be even more difficult this year. I think it's going to be far more diff- difficult this year in those situations. Now, maybe you have the, the added element of Trey Lance being, somebody who can kind of get outside and, and pick up a yard here and there. But um, no, it's the, those money downs, those money downs. And it's uh, the third downs with, uh, you know, I really haven't given much thought to the 49ers run defense because I, I really think their linebackers are, are good. Now, obviously if the, if the offensive linemen get out and are able to block Fred Warner and, Trey Greenland, Aziz Alshire, then that makes it more difficult. But, um, and you know, the, the way they, the, the way they rush the passer, it creates more holes on the interior. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, I just don't know when you look at the league now, how many teams can really exploit that though. Yeah, that's true. Well, the Niners might be because they're going to run the ball a lot, but they don't, they're not going to play themselves. Um, No, if they do, that's <laughs> that might be the bigger than Jimmy Garoppolo resigning. Yeah, that, that would that would be a pretty substantial issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> what one of the discussion points that Kyle and I have had going into this season? Shanahan or Madsen? Uh, Madsen. Madsen. Okay. I haven't gotten uh, much one-on-one time with Shanahan recently. Although I'd I'd love to. I'd have a blueberry Red Bull and vodka with him if if he wanted. Um, but. Uh, Kyle the, the 2019, yeah, the, the 2019 defense, like, I think it's pretty clear that with DeForest Buckner there, just his presence alone probably elevates that defense over this current one. Um, but I think in terms of like the level that this defense can get to the ceiling of it, I kind of think this one might be better just because I think the secondary is going to be better. Um, and I'm just curious, like, do you think this defense could be as dominant as 2019's in the way that, like, it was probably the best unit in the league and really the main reason why the 49ers ended up getting the one seed? Like, do you think this defense can carry them 
to a division title, say. I'm not going to say the one seed, but could, do you think the defense I, could be good enough for them to win the to, to help them win the division with a first year starter? Oh, I think it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think so. But I I do think what what you said. I where the the 2019 defense like when their top guys were out there when their defensive line that a defensive or a team will will rotate in you know eight nine defensive linemen in the course of the game when the 49ers had their best guys out there that was a a dominant front four pass rushers because you had three absolute superstars and when D Ford was out there in 2019 he was he was pretty good. He wasn't at the level he was the year before with Kansas City. But I mean, think about it: Armstead, Bosa, and DeForest Buckner. Yeah. So they have the they had then three defensive linemen superstars this year. And I'm going to put Armstead. You know, I put him in that group. This year's defensive line has two superstars, right? I mean, you have Bosa and Armstead. But where the 2019 team wasn't as good was with the attrition. I mean, they were signing guys off the street and they were rushing the passer two days later. This team doesn't have stars behind, you know, when, because I'm not going to put Kinlaw in that category, not yet. But where this team is so good is that their third team defensive line. It, there's not a whole lot of drop. Uh, obviously, there's drop off from Bosa, Armstead, and uh, well, Bosa and Armstead, but they have such depth. Where when we looked at the depth chart or the roster cuts, it was tough to come up with you know which ten defensive linemen are they going to keep because they're all good and they all should be playing in the NFL and they ended up cutting Kamoko Ture but he's back on the practice squad I bet you he'll see action at some point this season you know this guy the he had the third most sacks of any 49ers defensive lineman last year right <laughs> i mean you know he <laughs> yeah, he was with the he was with the Colts right but you had uh, what did Armstead have? Like six sacks, and then Bosa had whatever fifteen and a half. Yeah. The next guy was Kimoko Ture, and he couldn't make the team. So they just come at you with a lot of different bodies. the The safety situation, I think, to open the season is going to be difficult on them. But I think Charvarius Ward, Mooney Ward, and Emmanuel Mosley, I you know they haven't been on the field too much recently, but I, I was really impressed by them. And I, I think both of those guys, if they stay healthy, are going to have really good seasons. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the depth because the next guy I was going to ask you about <clears throat> was Drake Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Niners have produced a lot of pass rushers or just had a lot of pretty good pass rushers over the last few years, some of which burst on the scene really early. Others you know, I think of Alden Smith and others who really struggled, um, like Solomon Thomas. When I, uh, I I'm kind of surprised after watching practice that somebody like Trey ja- Drake Jackson at that position was available when he was in the draft, and just like the explosiveness he just has in his body, like whether it's changing directions and you know running down quarterbacks outside the pocket or being able to do backflips. <laughs> like 
whenever he wants, seemingly, with just like incredible bounce for a 260-pound human. Where are you at on him? Be and and what do, where do you think the the team is on him? Because the impression that I get is they're kind of like, you know, sneakily like we we might have something in this guy, and he might play a lot even as a rookie. Yeah, he he's interesting because you know when you look at the draft process and without having watched every USC game, you know you don't see numbers that jump off the the page. I mean, his sack numbers weren't spectacular by any stretch. And then, you know, he had the the weight that was all over the place. They wanted him to play heavy. They wanted him to play light. And so I don't think he ever really grabbed his footing at USC as an edge rusher. And now I would think that kind of like how they did with Alden Smith back in 2011, like, don't worry about first and second down, you know, we're going to, you're going to go out there and your job is very simple go get the quarterback. And so I, I do think that, that they feel like they found something because I mean, you watch him and he is unique in how he, you know, the, his flexibility and how he bends the, the edge and all that stuff. Ankle so flexion, Maddie. Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. Thank Come you. On. you. You hang out with Eric branch regularly. I figured yes. you should know all about ankle flexion. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he's a guy that I think has a, a, a chance to be a really, you know, significant contributor as a rookie on those money downs that we talked about off the third and long. So, um, I mean, everybody says it, right. Oh, I can't believe he was still there when they drafted him. Can't believe it. And in their case, you know, after watching him in, in practice, you you kind of look at it and go, yeah, they, they kind of were lucky that he was still there because yeah. of that position and the value that position brings. So I'm going to spin forward beyond this season um, since we're talking about the defense, because something came up recently that I think is is really interesting. And it's the presence of Vic Fangio, mm-hmm. um, who Kyle Shanahan is apparently close with. And he's joined the 49ers in a consulting role. Is that? been made official i don't know that um okay. but he's i, I mean he's i been know around the team he's yeah, in the he's been around the team a lot he was just in where was he he was just at another training camp uh where was he he was just somewhere over the weekend mm. so he's he's sitting out this year he's still getting paid uh by the broncos he has he spends a lot of time in the bay area for reasons we don't need to discuss but uh n- nothing bad <laughs> nothing nothing bad at all I don't oh know great reason a great reason yeah. i would assume <laughs> yeah very good reason um and so he, i think he's just you know as i understand it, he's kind of going around the league and checking things out and collecting ideas and and seeing new things but i mean if if kyle shanahan had it his way Vic Fangio would have been the defensive coordinator for the 49ers in 2011. I'm sorry, 2011, 2017. I mean, he actually asked Fangio, who was, I think, with the Bears then. Yeah. Yeah, the Bears. He he put together, he like told Vic Fangio, like, hey, I got out of my deal with the Browns. I compiled a list of 32 reasons why you should let me out of your contract. If if you want to do that, I I can help you. (laughs) And Fangio was like, nah, I think I'll just stay here. I don't don't feel comfortable doing that. But that was his first choice. And remember, they hired Robert Sala and, you know, I think Gus Bradley fell through and Vic Fangio fell through and 
forget if there was somebody else who there's Ken hurt. Norton Jr. who that, was going to be an assistant. Was that that first year or was that later? I believe it was that first year. It was Andy, the first or second year, but that was that yeah. was the position that D'Amico Ryan's ended up getting. Right. Okay. So, but the point was, Robert Sala was like at least his third pick for defensive coordinator. So, it, like, we'll see where this goes. I mean, I don't think you expect D'Amico Ryan's to be back with the team next year. Neither do I. Um, I wouldn't think. The, the question is, does he go Vic, a you know the the crusty old pro who's been around the block and is very good at what he does, or does he kind of keep this whole, you know, young, vibrant? Not that Vic Fangio isn't vibrant, but <laughs> but the, these young kind of up and comer like taking a chance. You know, he took a chance on Robert Sala. He took a chance on D'Amico Ryan's. Is he going to keep that that model going of kind of a a young guy that he's helped kind of build and and create? Vic Fangio potentially vibrant. Let's just yeah. make that clear. Yeah. And um, you are too, Chris. You're you're oh, thank, very vibrant. Thank, thank yeah. you so much. Um I find it and maybe this is just getting way too far out ahead of things, but like it's a completely different scheme that Fangio runs compared to what the 49ers have been running since Kyle Shanahan took over. Um and I guess that's that's a conversation for a different time, but like well, but also 34 outside linebacker Nick Bosa, like that's I yeah, I think that that's but also you know, Fangio's a he's a football guy. I mean, he was he came to the 49ers, he was out of practice in the offseason, right? And during the offseason program or OTAs, and then on Thursday he was at practice. So he knows what he's watching and he knows. You know, he if if Fangio were to come to the 49ers, I'm sure he'd be taking a lot of the principles that he's been fond of through the years, but also incorporate what this team does well. Okay. That's but fair. again, man, you are spinning it forward. Yeah. There's no, still the there's still the 2022 season to play, Chris. Yeah, there sure is, Matt. Um so what are I guess we can end on this just kind of a broad question. Like, what are your expectations for this team? Because I think I feel like, and I hate to be like overwhelmingly positive in my outlook because I've been like pretty negative on this team in the past, but like, I think they might end up being really good. And like all of this discussion about Trey Lance might end up kind of being like, well, we cared a lot about that, but really like Trey Lance is passing it 20 times a game. They're running it 40 times a game and, you know, they're able to to deal with whatever roller coaster season Trey Lance has, because I feel like they won playoff games sort of despite their quarterback play last year. And I feel like that's generally pretty hard to do, particularly on the road. And if you get any sort of upgrade with your quarterback situation and you don't have Josh Norman and whoever else playing cornerback for you, you're probably going to be in a pretty good spot. That said, yeah, a lot could go yeah. wrong, but like, am I am I too optimistic on this about this team to say like I think they legitimately have a shot at say one of the top two or three seeds in the NFC? Um, I think they have a shot. They, I mean, this the sky's the limit. You know, I mean this this team is this team should enter the season with as good a chance 
as any of the top, I don't know, you know, eight, 12 teams in the league. And I think just the, the football season, 17 games, so much can happen with injuries and everything else. And rarely does the team that, uh, that looks one way at the beginning of the season and looks the same way at the end of the season. But I, I do think that, um, I almost think it's – I've said this in the past about this division and the 49ers and the Rams or whatever, is that it, it might be easier to make a deep playoff run than it would be to enter the playoffs as a number one seed because you're dealing with other divisions where maybe there's one good team and that team can basically pick up six wins in their division against runs where, you know, the 40 hours are, you know, 40 hours and the Rams are going to, you know, they're going to be in, in two street fights. Um, I, I don't, I think the Cardinals are going to take a step back, uh, but they're still going to be dangerous. And then I think, you know, Seattle takes a, a huge step. So I don't think the NFC West is as good as it has been. So I guess now I'm kind of talking my way into, the NFC West could potentially produce a number one seed or a number two seed, whereas I don't think I would have said that last year. Oh, I know I for sure I wouldn't have said that last year because last year I felt like every team in the division would probably end up going three and three. So I think that they got a good team. There's no question about it. They got talent. They got talent at key positions. And – you know, think about Garoppolo's playoffs with the 49ers. The 49ers were four and two in games where, uh, in playoff games where, where Garoppolo uh, played in you know, 2019 and in 2021. And think about the first year, right? Like he rarely even threw a pass in the playoffs and they won. And then last year he was playing with a torn thumb ligament and a shoulder that was ready to fall off and they won two games. <laughs> so, I think if Trey Lance stays healthy, he will be in a position after 17 games of the regular season to do more in the playoffs to help the 49ers than Garoppolo did in those two deep playoff runs. The The problem is, or the, the one thing that maybe they'll ask more of him too, which then creates the possibility that he could do more to harm the team too, because the 49ers in the playoffs never ask Garoppolo to do much. My favorite conspiracy theory, and I don't know if anybody else has come up with this. What if Kyle Shanahan just wanted to finally be able to run the two quarterback offense that he sort of planned on running early last off season or early last season, and then just couldn't or decided not to after that Detroit game. What if Kyle Shanahan spent secretly on his own time? And this is, I got the tinfoil hat on for those who can't see no. spent the entire off season thinking about the two quarterback offense and how he can manage who's in the game against certain personnel and all of those things. And we're going to see it come to fruition maybe a year later than anticipated. What do you think? All right, Chris, well, it's been nice joining you on <laughs> Candlestick Chronicles. Oh, <laughs> that you wanted me to actually respond to that? <laughs> sure. uh, I do think the reasons he gave last year uh, make total sense to me. That he 
kind of geeks out early in the game to see what defenses are doing and then tries to use their leverage against them like anyone who's ever mastered jujitsu like like i have oh have you Oh no, I have no idea. I just oh. <laughs> I just made that up. I didn't wow. even know if that's how they do it. Like using, Matt- but you know, it's like using the leverage against you. And so I think he is so into what how a defense, how a defensive coordinator is calling the game, and then using that as the springboard for setting stuff up. Oh, they're going to be in this defense on this down and distance. We showed them this. This is what we're going to do next time. And I do think that what he said last year there was. I I believe it fully was that when you use a different quarterback, the defense reacts differently. And therefore, if you go to a different quarterback, when you've set something up with another quarterback, you're not going to get the predictable result of what you anticipated the defense Mm -hmm. would do. Yeah. That's, that's why I liked having a fullback because with a fullback, who's versatile, he can dictate terms to the defense rather than the other way around. Just like um, you dictate the terms to me. <laughs> Mayoko, I need you. I want you. You better show up on my podcast. You better right. show up to my beer event. <laughs> and I just go, okay, you're like a fullback. You're leading the way. And right. I just follow you through the hole. No, you're, you've been super generous with your time. <laughs> Everything you said for the last 10 seconds was a complete lie. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm super... Tell- I'm, Will you tell Kyle that I missed him? Yes, we will. I think this is the second time I've been on with you, and he just he he ghosts me. Yeah, kind of like, you know, kind of like Jimmy after signing his contract. How I'm he not saying the 49ers. I'm not saying it's not a coincidence. Okay, you're not <laughs> saying it is, but you're not saying it isn't. Yeah, I'm neither confirmed. No, Kyle is has he's uh, he's just a very very busy man, and um, the way the scheduling worked out tonight, he he could have used a day off. And okay. So. You know, it just allowed us to to throw back a to throw back a, a hoppy beverage like we will September sixteenth Friday at Cooperage. Cheers! Um, you're going to be there. There's going to be an awesome yeah. panel. There's uh, some other names that we will announce as time goes on. But yeah, nice. I'm I'm happy you're going to be there, Matt. I think people, believe it or not, I think people are are excited to see you and and hang out with you and drink beer with you in person. Well. Well, I'll have to do something about that. That'll, <laughs> that'll certainly make them regret that wish. <laughs> All right. No, I'm everybody. looking forward to it. It's always good. Uh, I know we had a good time last year. Yeah. And a good group comes out. And uh, that's the thing. Uh, you know, fans of the 49ers, I, I like road trips, home games. They're, they're super supportive of folks who do what we do and and i'm i'm appreciative of uh, appreciative of it for sure yeah absolutely all right well i appreciate you coming on and uh we will we will chat soon i think i'll i'll be making a cameo back in santa clara next week um so i'll get to give you a big old bear hug then and um yeah thanks for coming on maddie subscribe rate and review to candlestick chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and we will talk to you guys later